0: Hallelujah.
1: I'm thankful to be in his presence today. Glad to be here. Um, And you can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We are starting this new, uh, I say series. Uh, There's a book that um, I read last year. Uh, The author is Chester Mitchell. And the name of the book is The Gravel Road to Heaven. Walking with God through the grit of life. And, man, it's a really good book. I mean, it's just really good. It's 31 chapters. They're not long. They're, it's an easy read, but it is packed full of great uh, things to help you along with your walk with God. And, and uh, just thinking about the curriculum things that we were doing uh, as we were headed toward this year, and I decided, you know, I think I'm just going to teach this book, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, some of you have already read this book and maybe been through Sister Miriam's class, and this book was uh, used there, I believe, and so uh, it may sound familiar, some of it, to you, but uh, some of you maybe have not, and I would advise, uh, if you would like, uh, order this book and re- and get this book and read it. It's very good. And like I say, you can read it in, in a day. I mean, it's really just an easy read, but it's... Um, Uh, A lot of good stuff in it. As we get to the end of it, there'll be a a section uh, called uh, A Step on the Journey. And in that, it's going to be where we will focus on some things that you can... That's why I advise you to take some notes, write some things down so that during the week you can go back and look through this and apply these uh, different steps to your life. We want to walk with God and and that's what we want to do. So we're going to get into this today. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, our verse of scripture, just to give us reference this morning, Exodus 3, verses 1 through 3, says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father, father father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the mist of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. This first chapter and first lesson is entitled, Just Be There. Just be there. In other words, don't miss your burning bush. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Lord, we love you so much. You're precious to us. We thank you, God, for your word, for your instruction ask that you would just give us insight today. Help us, Lord, to be better, Lord, to walk closer to you. We want to be ready to meet you when you come. So help us today to hear what the Spirit would say. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Would you give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning? I'm thankful for the Word of God. Thankful for His instruction today. So we're starting on this. I thought it was a pretty neat Uh, I've never heard anybody refer to it as the gravel road to heaven, but that makes pretty good sense sometimes. And uh, as we walk and we, we realize that it's not always smooth, but it's the right road. You know, that's the thing about walking with God. It's not always smooth, but it is always the right road. I have traveled some, not just extensively, most places we go, we drive. But uh, as we drive out to Louisiana almost every year, uh, we take these roads that get us to uh, Alexandria, and some of those roads are rough. Mississippi has some bad roads. I'm just going to say it. They, their roads are awful. And, um, but as awful as that road is, it's the right road to where I'm going, and if I want to get there, that's the road I'm going to ride on. And so on that drive, I try to... Slow down or speed up or turn left or right, trying to avoid any potholes or things of that nature. You know, I want to make sure that I am watching the road, but it's the right road nonetheless. And in this walk we have with God, we're going to have hills to climb, we're going to go through valleys. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, that's all right because it's still the right road. And that's where we learn to trust God. Uh, If we think that when the Lord called the disciples, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. There was no description there other than that, but we saw that they went places where they were not accepted. They went places where the Lord was threatened to be killed and Uh, they were, you know, mocked and and different things happened and they realized that, hey, walking with this Savior isn't always just a smooth road. It's not always easy. It's always, sometimes there are places where it can get a little fearful and we can actually uh, wonder, what am I doing? Uh, You ever thought that? You ever wondered, what am I? We would never, oh, oh no, I never doubted one time. Look, I know what the Lord done for me. And it's just like you do. But if you'll be honest, you'll also say, man, where are we going? Are you sure we didn't make a wrong turn somewhere? There's just no way. But the Bible tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so this is where trusting God comes in is that I have to trust him with my walk. We have a walk. And on that walk, uh, we will, if we don't miss it, uh, we'll have this God moment where it's, like it's the calling that God puts on your life if we don't miss it. A lot of times our walk with God uh, can be man, full of miracles, signs, and wonders, but we could still miss our calling. You know that Moses did not have to go that Moses, when he, he didn't have to go look at the bush, it was the, a decision. He, he could have said, Wow, there's a bush on fire. So what? I'm tired. I've been keeping sheep. Supper's ready. I'm going home. But instead, he was there. And that's the title just be there. You don't miss your burning bush. Don't let this part of your walk with God dissipate. There have been people who had callings on their lives. We always refer to them as running from God, but they stay in the church. They're faithful, they're there, but we know that God gave them something to do, yet somewhere they missed that moment where God was trying to let them know, I've got more for you. Even the the great, great good news of the gospel is that God manifested himself in the flesh and then sought us out so we could walk with him. God wants you to follow him. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to trust him. And let me tell you, walking with God was never a human idea. We didn't come up with that. God desired it from the beginning. In the beginning, God desired to have an intimate relationship with Adam and Eve, with this creation that he formed from the dust of the ground and from the side of Adam. He he wanted to uh, be close to them, and he wanted them as he wants us today, to know him. God doesn't want to just sprinkle you with miracles and you not know nothing about him. He wants you to know. He knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows all about you. He he knew you before you were formed in the womb. There's uh, nothing left undone on that side of the coin. God knows who we are. He wants us to know him. And that's why Peter wrote the grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He wants us to know him. And so he wants uh, people to love him, to depend on him, and he wants us to be like him. That's why he formed us or created us in his image. And so uh, in this time where he was with Adam and Eve, this is how great God's mercy and grace, his love, his desire is toward us, that even in the darkest darkest moment of that relationship where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and, and uh, they were afraid and, and, and they were ashamed and they were hiding from the voice of God. Even when all this happened, when they disobeyed, God still came calling them out by name. He came wanting to speak to them, he wanted to be with them and and uh, to find them. And, and he didn't. He knew already what they had done. He knew that the mistake had been made. He knew that the disobedience was there. He knew that they were afraid. And there was nothing that God did not know in that instant. But God was still God, and that's what you need to hear uh, today. Wherever you are, you need to understand and know this: God is still calling you. But maybe that's why we missed that God moment it was because we believe that that mistake erases any chance we have, that it erases any possibility that God could ever use me, that God could ever uh, speak through me or win somebody through me or, or you know, that I could be any use to the kingdom at all because I made such a horrible mistake. Well, let me ask you, did God still show up? Hey, guess what, Adam? That's the Lord's voice. You can still hear the voice of God. He could still hear him saying, Adam, where are you? He could still hear the voice of his creator. Did he make a mistake? Terrible mistake. Did it affect all mankind? Yes, it did. A lot of people say, I'd like to talk to Adam alone when I get to heaven. Uh, But, you know, uh, when we get there, it won't matter. But it affected us and it brought us into a bad place. But God still loved Adam and he still loved Eve. And and he missed walking with them and he he misses walking with us. He wants to have that relationship with us. And that is why I think sometimes that we uh, miss that moment or miss our calling is because we're so sure that God can't do anything with us anymore. And maybe that how close maybe Moses was to missing his God moment because it didn't happen uh, right after he was born. It didn't happen right after he had, uh, you know, came to it refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. It didn't happen then, but it happened after 40 years of wilderness work. It happened after he had killed a man and hid him in the sand and tried to cover it up and and just go on living his life. It happened at a time where Moses didn't have everything maybe going right in his life, yet God still had a time where he would speak to Moses and, and call him and say, I have something for you to do. And if Adam and Eve's life teaches me anything, that even in the most perfect situations in in those times we can still make mistakes we can uh, uh, tragedy can happen when you've got it all together it can come on you suddenly things can happen to you in just an instance and before you know it how did my life get to this one moment I'm walking with the Savior. I'm naming all the animals. I'm tending the garden. I've got this beautiful wife that he gave me. All these things and right now, all of a sudden I'm being ushered out of this beautiful place and I can't come back. And I've just been told how hard my life is going to be now. See, it can happen in a moment. But just because it happens, it doesn't mean God is not still trying to get to you God does not throw us away. He just does not throw us away, man. He is the the most awesome at repurposing things ever, and that's uh, you know we that, that's a big thing today for people to, to get other things and repurpose them and use them for. Oh, this used to be a a, a clock, but now it's a dinner plate or whatever. You just repurpose it for whatever. Uh, you know, people get pallets and they make. Tables and, and and love seats out of them, and, and yeah, you know, this was yeah, you know, this used to carry manure. It was a manure pallet, but now I sit on it and watch TV. You know, it's you've made it into something great. And hey, it's comfortable. It's awesome. It's uh, one of them chic words. I don't know which one it would be, uh, but it's you know it's it's something. You, they were gonna throw it away. We were gonna have a bonfire with it, but I decided I could use that, and see. We think we're just ready for the scrap heap. We think we're ready for the, the pile of rubbish. Uh, uh, but Samuel, in the book of Samuel, it says that God takes us out of the dunghill and sets us among princes. Out of the dunghill, in case you didn't hear me. Out of the mess. Out of the stink. You know, he takes us out of all of that and puts us in a palace, puts us where, uh, you know, what a prince is, he's a son of the king, and he's saying, I'll make you the son of the king. And so God calls us, and, and somebody, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean when God calls us? When does it happen? Well, because we're different, it's different for each of us. But, you know, it, it can be something that is, you know, Unexpected, Moses, his call there, it was unexpected. He he didn't go out that day saying, I'm going to go looking for a burning bush. It was unexpected, it was sudden. But sometimes it can be simple, so simple uh, that it is entirely missable if we are not ready. And uh, it it can be just that simple moment of realization that God's got a path for me to walk. I mean, look how simple the statement was that Jesus made to Peter and John. He, he didn't drag them. He, there was no, uh, let me hand you a track and read all this later. He just said, follow me. I got to work, man. You know, some people did that. He would call them and they'd say, "Oh, I've got to go bury my dead or I've got to go do this and do that. And they'd make excuses. It was so simple that they didn't realize you're missing a God moment. This is not just some man saying, hey, uh, come follow me and let's do some things. This is the Savior of the world talking to you. And we can be so busy in our life. We can even be so busy in our church life that we miss God trying to tell us, this is what I want you to do. We can be so uh, you know, busy trying to be uh, holy and righteous and, and those things we should be that we miss God saying, I need you over here. And and, uh, I I don't want to miss my God moment because you can, whether you miss it or you recognize it, be sure that it will impact you forever. It will make a difference in your life forever. Uh, The story of the rich young ruler should tell us that. A young man who had kept the commandments since his youth comes to Jesus and wants to know, what shall I do? that I could have everlasting life. What, what, what must I do? And the Lord looked at him and said, but you lack something. His call came as an answer to a question. When he asked the question, the Lord said, sell everything you've got, distribute it to the poor. Take up the cross and follow me. And he went away sad because he couldn't hear the sound the, the, the of his stuff, the the impact of who he was and being a rich ruler and, and having that notoriety and, and you you want me to sell my stuff and give it to poor people and then you want me to uh, take up a cross and follow you and and uh, he, the Lord told him and said yeah that's what I, what I want and so he went away sad he missed that God moment because he just couldn't hear what the Lord was saying he didn't realize. He didn't really know, you know, he, he called him good master. And the Lord said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, that's God. And I don't think it, he knew who Jesus was. He just trying to be nice and polite and maybe seem like he was somebody. The Lord was saying, why do you call me good? Do you really know who I am? Evidently, he didn't. Because if he had known that this was the Savior, if he really believed he was that God uh, man, then he would have sold everything to follow the Lord but he did not so God deals with us differently so your God moment can come at, at any time unexpectedly quickly in an altar in the pew in your car Don't tell him where It just at a time where God decides I'm going to speak to you now and because we're different he deals with us differently but rest assured that just as he has a plan or had a plan for Moses, he has a plan for you and I. There's no doubt about it. Moses wandered, waited 40 years, tending sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. He had started another life. He fled from Egypt, left his people, was living among people who were not his people. But he he married, took a wife, and had children, and he, So he's working for his father-in-law and it's just life. He's just living. He's had a miraculous past. His birth, his uh, deliverance was incredible. But now he's just shepherd Moses tending sheep out in the wilderness. He was not expecting to see a burning bush. That doesn't happen every day, especially a bush that just burns and is not consumed. This should let you know that it was planned by God. When you have that God moment, just realize it's not man, it's not woman, it was God. God plans it's the author and finisher of our faith, the the orderer of steps, that God, the creator of all things, that God. He plans it all and that's why we must trust him. You've got to trust God in your God moment. But if you're not there, you'll miss it. God's not going to chase you with his moment. He designs it. He times it. Just like he did when he came to this earth and he wept toward the end of his life as he looked at Jerusalem and said, if you had just known the time of your visitation, I'm not coming back in a week. I'm not coming back in a year. It was now, and you missed it. I don't want to miss it. We've got to trust God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. Oh, try to think, I know exactly what God, uh, or, or you know when we lean on our own understanding, we start telling God how he should plan our life. Well, God, this is what I'm best at. You know, Peter tried that with the Lord. The Lord said, I know you've been fishing all night. I ain't, of course, they don't know who he is, but he knows everything. He knows they're fishermen, expert fishermen. This is a business. they make they living off of it. Hey, why don't you go, go out there and, and cast your nets? <clears throat> I don't know who you are, fella, but hey, we've been fishing all night. It's what I do. We ain't caught nothing. I'm washing these nets. I'm going home go to bed. Now, if you just cast your nets out there on that, that side of the boat, I'm telling you, just do that. Okay, just so I can prove you wrong, I'll do that because I'm a fisherman. Fish ain't biting. Throws his nets out, can't even pull the fish in. He got so many fish in it because when you do it God's way, it's going to always be full of blessing. It's going to always have what you need. And then sometimes when we're just so sure there's no way I've, I've been doing this part so long and I know this is just how it is. And God said, it might be until I show up. A lot of things were a certain way till Jesus showed up. A lot of people were dead till Jesus showed up. A lot of people were blind until Jesus showed up. That's just the way it was. A lot of people were lame for many years and sick for many years until Jesus showed up. And so when Jesus shows up, you trust him. And then in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. You'll be on the right road. He might direct your path down that little narrow rocky place or up that steep place or down through that low place, but it will be the right path. And that might be it. Is that it? In all the ways, is that it? That was the last verse? Yeah, through six. so trust him. That's what this... And that's how you will make sure that you're going to be there when your burning bush shows up. Just trust the Lord. Because, you know, we, we know that God blesses. And, man, we, we get super excited and happy and tell everybody uh, about all the good stuff. When God does something good in our life, man, God had it planned out. I mean, God just, look how God opened this door and this door and closed that door and man, now look at my life, it's blessed, I've got this, I've got that. But you know what? It's also God who plans the rough and rugged part. Yeah, God plans that too. And you need to write this down so you, you, this will help you not miss your God moment. If we only celebrate God on the good days, then we will miss him on the many days when our hearts are broken and our spirits are crushed because he's there on both days. He is there on the good day. Oh, I know it. I'm praising the day. He's there when you are snotting and crying and brokenhearted and angry and discouraged. He's there. And so you have to remember that God is with me. I will never leave you or forsake you. I won't leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. You know, uh, in, in Job's life, before any tragedy ever came, Job served God. He offered sacrifices for his children in case they forgot to. He was that kind of man. And, and even God's description, he's a perfect man. He hates evil. He fears God. He, that's how, there's nobody like him in the land. He's got such a great description of Job. But when Job lost Everything he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He still he celebrated and worshiped God in the hardest part of his life. With death and destruction all around him. He was now a man that people just said, Oh my God, really hates him. Look at what's going on. But he the reason he could worship is that he he knew that look, God is in charge of the good. And God is in charge when things go bad. Don't ever forget that God is with you through the rough stuff. That, that He's there. He, he does not abandon us. That it was not that God abandoning Job that uh, terrible things happened. It's because God allowed that. Because He knows that if you will still trust me in the bad, you'll get through it. And the end of the book says the latter end of Job. Was blessed greater. God took care of him, gave back, and, and really blessed his life, and, and and he died in a rich old age. And and he just had great, beautiful children and grandchildren and generations of children. And, and and man, you could never think that Job would have ever got back to a place. But see, that was God's plan all along. And that that God moment for Job. It wasn't when he was offering sacrifices for his children and and counting the number of cattle he had and the sheep that he had. That wasn't his God moment. His God moment was when everything was took away. His God moment was when the scripture said, in all these things, Job did not sin foolishly with his mouth. It is when Job uh, held on to his integrity and realized that I will stay with God. That was his God moment. And he was rather, at that point with boils on his body, he was headed to greatness because he was there. His wife said, hey, Job, curse God and die. Just get out of here. But if I do that, I will miss my God moment. I don't want to miss my God moment when I'm, when I'm broken and crushed and hurt and crying. I got to realize that God's there even then. I've got to be there. Psalm 34 and 18 lets us know that the Lord is nigh or near unto them that are of a broken heart. And he saves such as be of a contrite spirit. Oh, this is going to kill me. God said, no, I won't. I'll save you. I'll save you from this. I'll, I'll make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. I'll make sure that this doesn't take you out. I will be close to you. I'll be right there with you. I will leave you while you're brokenhearted. And then I will save you. But if we, you know, but we've got to be like Moses. We've got to be there. We can't remove God or ourselves from this picture. We've got to be there so we can have our God moment. That's what the Lord wants us to have. The thing about God, you know, in the Scripture, there is a, a word is ruach, R-U-A-C-H. I hope I said that right. But it is a word used to describe God. It is wind or spirit. And just like Jesus said in in John chapter three, the the wind can blow and you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. God is mysterious. God is unpredictable. And you know what wind can do? Wind wind can be so nice someday when it's hot. Woo, love a good breeze. But wind can be so strong and forceful that it destroys and tears up and and levels things. And sometimes God will tear your life up. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I want that Listen. if God's going to tear it up then it's for your good if God's going to uh, I remember Brother Arnold preaching that message years ago about being disturbed into your destiny and he talked about God us getting in that good old comfortable nest and and how eagles will make a, a real fluffy comfortable nest for the little eaglets but so they'll learn to fly they start taking all the fluff out when they get big enough and they start taking all the soft easy stuff out and now that's why them eagles started sitting up on the edge of the nest because if they stay down in the nest, it's just sticks and thorns and things poking them and so it's not comfortable. And then he that eagle, that mama grabs them and slings them off the side of that nest. You ain't never felt like that? You ain't never felt like God just slung you off the side of the nest? Hey, I, ain't, I just got a little sprout sprigs, of feathers. I can't, he can't be flying yet. I look like a Thanksgiving turkey. What are you doing to me? But then that other eagle swoops right there and catches them, brings them right back. He knows you ain't going to fly the first time. But he's going to go ahead and get you used to it. He, he knows, but he don't let you hit the ground. He saves you. He'll, that wind sometimes it, it'll move and and, and it'll it, 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 some some days it's like whew, oh what a breeze and then some days you're hanging on to a pole like I'm about to blow away. But what did the scripture say? And if we hear his sayings and keep his sayings, in other words, if we trust him and live for him, that storm can. Blow and the winds can hit and the waves can crash and it can just storm all it wants to. But that house, your house, our house, it will stand. Man, we will make it when we trust God. And so, God moves. The old saying, "God moves in mysterious ways." Well, He does. And God has His own sense of timing. That's probably, if we could say, Lord. There's one thing that really ah, gets me about this is, why won't you just do it when I want you to? Because we ain't got enough sense to plan it out right. And he knows that his timing will be perfect. But we are not patient people by nature. God did not hardwire patience into us. If it did, if it was just there, if that was part of our natural response, every time something happened, we'd be fine. Oh, that's cool. You know what patience is? It's intentional. It's just like a diet. It's just like taking medicine. It's just like working out. All those things that can work for your benefit that you have to do if it's going to be for your benefit, that's what patience is. Because you choose to be patient or impatient, and you know. Just think back to the last time you sat in line somewhere, or you pay, or at a red light, talk to on hold for 45 minutes for customer service. You know, did you end up hanging up? I do. I just hang up. Fine. I'll I'll come back tomorrow. You know, but as I said, you choose whether to be patient or not, because that's just not us. And the idea, especially in this day and time. The idea of a God who does things in his own time, who has been known to let people just wander around for 40 years, and that don't jive with us. Or now. I want it now, Lord. I'm impatient. I know it. You know, the reason we don't like patience is because it comes from tribulation. It comes from something that rubs us the wrong way. Tribulation, work with Patience. So it frustrates us to wait. We we become frustrated, and and uh, so, uh, uh, but we don't. You know, know, Moses waited forty years, but you're not going to get the Moses that you need unless he does the full forty years. It wasn't just a number. God, uh, let's see, let's flip a coin. Let's let him keep sheep for forty years. He had to teach Moses some things in forty years. Moses had to mature for 40 years. Moses had learned what it was like to try to herd people for 40 years. He, he was a shepherd for a reason because he was about to lead. You lead sheep and he was about to lead God's people out of Egypt. He, he, 40 years were not wasted. It was not just buying time. Moses was developing, whether he realized it or not, Patience. You don't keep animals and things without a little patience. And you don't do those kind of things without a little patience. And and Moses was not thinking, I can't believe God hadn't called me back to Egypt yet. This was going to come upon him suddenly and unexpectedly. And God was going to say, this is what I've got for you. What God's got for you may not even be in your realm of thinking right now. But if you'll just be there, God will reveal it to you. So I ask a question. Maybe you write these things down. Ask yourself this week, how are you doing with waiting for God? How do you react when a prayer seems to have been forgotten? Lord, I've been praying for this a long time and nothing. How do you respond when something happens, circumstances come along and they just destroy all the plans you made? Or how are you dealing with that sin that suddenly ambushed you in a moment when you were not aware you were so vulnerable? It just came all of a sudden, wow, there it is. Here's the thing: God is sovereign. He's God, He's the King of it all. What He says goes. And when our perspective on this sovereign God's plan for our lives When it's not aligned, when our idea of it's not aligned up with his purpose, we get angry, we get bitter, and then that usually ends up in being devastated because it didn't happen the way we wanted it. What is required on our part is to have great focus, to stay locked in on what God is doing and that God is there. We sing it. Even when I don't see it, he's working. That was a big thing with Job. I looked here, there, frontwards, behind me. I've looked all around. I've looked in places where I know God works, but I can't perceive him. I don't see him. He's not here. He's not there. I, I, I can't perceive what God's doing right now. But here's what I know is that God knows the way that I'm going. How does God know the way you're going? Because he planned it. So that's what you can take refuge in and, and understand is that I may not be able to see God, feel God know right now, but listen, that's the whole thing about faith. Faith hasn't got anything to do with feeling. It's just you having faith in the invisible God, trusting that he is going to do what he said he would do because he has done it so many times before that he will always come through. So we have to learn... Uh, these things we must embrace, is God's timing. God does nothing in this world, in this human realm, that is not in accordance with his timing. Even Jesus said when he gets ready to come back, that's only a time that he knows. Every great commanding movement uh, in this human race was divinely stamped with God's timing. Bible, We love Pentecost. What does it say about the day of Pentecost? When the day of Pentecost was... Fully come. It was God's timing. Even uh, Galatians 4 and 4 says that the coming of God in human form could not have been achieved uh, or happened until the fullness of time had come. It had to happen. Every season, the Scripture says, is governed by timing. Every storm will subside eventually. No temptation is endless. Psalm 30 and 5 says, Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So that means I can trust God's timing. Endurance. Oh, that's, that's almost as bad as patience. You better love it because he that endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. The Scripture says for me to endure hardness as a good soldier. And so uh, whenever you're tempted to quit, encourage yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Encourage yourself to keep going or here's where we have a problem. Seek encouragement from older, wiser believers. I don't want nobody to think I'm not 100%. That's what kills us, that we can't. Listen, we all know the Scripture talks about how frail we are, that we're human, we're dust, we're a vapor, and we're we're human, we're we're flawed. It happens. And, you know, have enough humility and enough wisdom that you can go to someone who has lived for God for a while and say, "Hey, I'm struggling. I need a little help. I don't understand what's happening. Talk to somebody that's been there. Talk to somebody that's gone through it. Uh, don't don't be so prideful that oh, I don't want nobody to think I you know that I, I ain't got it right. I ain't got it down. down. I don't do it. We help each other. That's why, you know, Scripture talks about that two are better than one. You know, if you're by yourself and you fall, you got nobody to help you up. If you got nobody with you when it's freezing cold, you got nobody to help keep you warm. Two's better than one. It's better to have somebody. And So trust these elders or these other people who have gone through some things. Talk to them. And, hey, if somebody does that, comes to you and confides in you, don't tell everybody. That, that, you know, be a safe place that they can come and, and talk to you and, and, and ask for prayer without worrying is this fixing to be a, a a little shady post on Facebook now that I know they're writing about me don't, 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 don't do that so that's the difference between just a mediocre walk with God and excelling in your walk with God is being able to not just trust God but to trust his people walking with God is It's no quick jog in the park. It's not a sprint, but it is a daily relationship filled with divine surprises. God will always, he loaded this daily with benefits. It says, you never know, his mercy is new every morning. So you you never know what's coming in the day when you live for God. Another thing that people lack in this day is passion. Not Not just compassion, but passion. You know, people are passionate about so many things in the world. And, boy, it, it drives who they are. You can tell people's passion this time of year by what colors they're wearing. Red and black, burgundy, orange. Nobody wears orange. <laughs> Miriam. Uh, no, but, boy, yeah, it, oh, people driving hundreds of miles, spending thousands of dollars on tickets, all to watch their team. They're passionate. They're f- fans. They're passionate. And, and you know it's just oh yeah, uh, you uh, I, uh, I bleed red and black and you know just boy passionate, go crazy, paint the whole bodies up red and black and screaming, hollering, carrying on, passion. And you see them every year. You, you'll see them if their team loses, win or lose, I'm a dog till I die. Passion. Well, if we had the same passion for the Lord, hey, I ain't got nothing against you being a passionate sports fan as long as it doesn't it exceed your passion for God why is it that our team can win all season long this is, this is, I want you to compare this to the way your walk with God is or everything's been going good for your team was undefeated went undefeated all year, got in the playoffs looked like they never played football in their life got beat to death and then you just fire the coach fire the quarterback but then you'll still post win or lose I'm a dog till I die and your life can just be going so good with God and he's blessing you jobs and things and stuff's happening and all of a sudden something hits And if God loved me what about feast or famine I'm going to love God till I die Heartache or pain or sunshine or rain. I, I'm just going to love God till I die. Because passion, my friend, is what will keep you going. Endurance is external, but passion is the internal. It's that sp- spiritual fire and fervor that allows us to keep moving with the same conviction that we had when we started. Because when we started, man, you couldn't tell us nothing. God was everything. Everything. That passion kept us going. And that's what keeps you going when you feel like I'm in 40 years of wilderness. It's the passion that will keep you from simply going through the mind numbing motions. Passion allows you to see yourself finishing this thing strong, not just barely limping in. Ain't nobody limping into heaven. Get that nonsense. My friend, we're going we're gonna to blow through there with flying colors. Uh, it's going to be in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, so I mean, you're going to get that second win. Paul had passion. That's why he could say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He, he had passion. I started out in this thing, and I finished in this thing. I started strong. I finished strong yeah. because I had passion. Hope you had not lost your passion for the Lord. I know i got to start, start uh, wheeling in here. And so this journey we've been called to embark on will also require us to have that patience, just like Moses did, just like anybody in Scripture did. God does not seem to be inclined to microwave us. God doesn't use a microwave to prepare his leaders and his children. Get this now, why? Why? Why, God? Why not quickly? Why not microwave me? Microwave me, God, because if God gave us a chance, we'd be like, microwave. Just pour some hot water and stir me. That's what I want. But it seems that God lets us wait because he is more concerned about the formation of our character than our comfort. You hear what I'm saying? God is more concerned about the formation of your character than your comfort. God lets us wait because he wants us to turn off our watches, to put up our calendars, and just allow him to unfold what's going on in our life, just like he unfolds flowers uh, in a garden. Uh, the old song said, God unfolds the rose. Just, just let God do it in his time. Because if you have been praying for any need for any period of time, you know what it feels like. You go from high expectation Then a little time passes, and now all of a sudden you're very anxious about it because is God going to do anything? And now all of a sudden you're just depressed because you feel like it's never going to happen. But then you look at this story of Moses. He was the son of Hebrews. They hid him to save him from the genocide that Pharaoh had ordered. All male babies were to be slaughtered. God allows Moses to be rescued from the river. He becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had the best of the best, wore the finest clothes. He was in line possibly to become the next pharaoh of the Egyptian Empire. A lot of things probably going through his mind while he was in Egypt that were just a fog of memory after 40 years of tending sheep day after day after day. And it seemed like this is just my life. Sometimes it feels like this is just where I am, this is my life. But somewhere in heaven, things were taking shape. It might look like nothing's going on here, but God is already working. That bush had already, maybe a bird flew by at a certain time and dropped a seed, and that's where that bush sprang from, but God had it ordered. And the time was near, the place was chosen, and the bush had grown sufficiently for the purpose that God had ordained. Oh, Friend, we quit so close. Oh, we, if, if, if we could see how close we are to what God's about to do in our life, man, we'd hang on with everything. But more people, because we can't see what God's doing, we just quit. And we quit so close to our blessing, to our call, and we miss that God moment because we're not there. But Philippians 1 and 6 says, I can be confident of this very thing. Listen, that He, God, Begun a good work in you. God started it. And God will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. When's that day? Only he knows. You see, it's about him doing it, him finishing it, his timing. I've got to trust him. The author of this book wrote this. Honey, you can come to the platform. I'm going to finish quickly now. He wrote a story. uh, uh, Shared a story about a conversation he had. He said, recently I was meeting with a gifted Christian leader. Listened as he poured out his heart about a ministry opportunity that had not worked out. He and his wife had responded to what they believed was God's leading, invested time and money, but to no avail. The door was closed, and in retrospect, it seemed that it had just been a bad idea. He said, as we sat that day, I heard a gentle whisper, a special word from the Holy Spirit from my friend. And here's what I told him. Stop chasing your destiny. God knows exactly where you are. And in the end, your destiny will find you. That lines up with Proverbs 18 and 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. If that gifting's there, the door is going to open. Stop chasing it and just let God do what he's going to do because God is not inclined to move our burning bush to get our attention. He has already chosen the time and the place where he wants to meet with you. He might be here today. Our responsibility is simply to be there. We've just got to be there. My wife has said this a lot. I've heard it from other people, but I've heard her quote this many times that the best ability is availability. You just need to be available. You need to be there so God can use you. Let's stand together this morning. I told you as we got to the end of these lessons, there would be a step, a step on the journey. And this is the step at the end of this lesson today, that we recognize God not only as the Lord of our destiny, or ultimate purpose, but also as the Lord of our daily life. Involve God in all of your daily decisions. Whatever you do, the scripture says, whatever we do, do it all in the name of the Lord. So when you have a problem, how will I respond to this problem? How will I deal with this person? What words of encouragement will I speak? Who needs prayer today? What lie? or distortion about my identity will I no longer believe. Involve God in all these decisions and just be there. Don't miss your burning bush. Let's, let's lift our hands together and pray right now. Precious Lord, we thank you for choosing us. You created us in your image. God, you created us for your divine appointments. I thank you, Lord, for trusting us today to walk faithfully with you I pray that we'll trust you no matter where the road leads, understanding that it's still the right road. Give us wisdom to resist the distractions of daily life, the insignificant things that will pull me aside or stop me from being there when you want to lead me to that burning bush. Lord, by your grace, we want to be there. We want to stand on holy ground and let that destiny find us Lord, we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What a great God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I pray you'll just trust the Lord. I hope, hope this helped you some today. And you see, there's just a lot of good things in this book. And we'll, we've got 31 chapters to cover, so we're going to get through a lot of things. But we're going to make it together, folks. God bless you and thank you, all of our visitors that came this morning. Thank you for being with us. Let's give our visitors a hand. We're glad you're here with us today. Invite somebody to be in church with you. Tell them about the love of God. Amen. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.